Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast for two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Hi, friend. Hi. What's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. We uh, we had a mom play date here at the house today, so I've spent the afternoon picking up everything you could possibly imagine from the outdoors that's in my house. <laughs> is it nice out there? It is today. Yeah. Yesterday it rained all day though. So it's a little, everything's a little sloppy. <laughs> yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was a nice way to break up the day, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I told you this was kind of my one exception day as a stay at home mom because my mother-in-law's on vacation and my mom took Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, but I had to take one day and I, you're my hero that you do this every day. <laughs> so, um, we had a good time and it's, it is a pretty nice day. So we got to go to the park and, um, but it's not easy. I did not get a nap out of that kid. Oh, and no. <laughs> no nap days are the worst days. I, I swear that never happens to anybody else. <laughs> But um, he actually started, so he started like a little two-year-old school this week because he turned two last month. And so now he can go to these programs that are without a parent. So he went with my mom on Monday. So that was just regular like classroom school with crafts and stuff. And then on Wednesdays, we signed him up for nature school. So this was his first one. And he was crying when I dropped him off and I stayed in the next room just reading and, and just every 10, 15 minutes or so I'd hear a kid crying that was like, I want mommy. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's my kid. (laughs) (laughs) Was it hard to not go in there or were you just like, it was, I was texting my husband and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I want to be there for him. But he also, the reason we really wanted him in school is to get him to follow routines and listen and not just do whatever he wants all the time. Totally. So it's a really tough balance. Like I, I want to make sure I allow him to process afterward, but honestly I'm conflicted. And he said he looked some things up today and we'll talk about it tonight, but yeah, my mom said he did completely fine on Monday, which <laughs> I don't know if it's just cause it was mommy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Maybe just seeing you there was harder for him, but yeah. And but my mom did say he kind of like sat on the teacher's lap the whole time and but he was fine. He like made his little crafts, but he he just like wanted that safe space. 
So it's new for him. He's and he's the youngest one in that class because you actually have to be two. So oh, um, wow, yeah, it's. I, I'm excited for him. It it is just a little hard to go through these changes. Yeah, I know. I'm not even ready to start thinking about school, and it's right in my face, and I have to, but <laughs> just oh. A little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, it's we're in a different situation because he's in care with my mom and my mother-in-law full time. And we just we really want him to be in something a little more structured. So yeah. yeah. We I think I I don't remember if I told you this, but we tried to take him to gymnastics a few oh. weeks ago. No. <laughs> yeah. And so it was a this was actually kind of the opposite where it was a two-year-old class, but, or a one-year-old class, because they start on 9-1, like a school year, so September is the cutoff, and so he was, like, the oldest in that class, and we thought, oh, he'll be fine, he's, he's physically, like, very big, and, um, and it was just terrible, (laughs) like, me and my husband were both there, and he just didn't follow all of the activities he was supposed to do. So, mm. so that's what made us think like, okay, we really need to get him in something. Yeah. It's tough when they're so little. It's like trying to herd cats, I think. <laughs> do their own thing. I did, I did hear that it's not just me. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make it any easier when you're going through it though, in those moments. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it almost would be nice to have somebody else's kid for a week to like have a benchmark. <laughs> Like do a swap and be like, okay, does my kid listen as much as he should? But, um, yeah, it's, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fun though. I think it'll, it'll be good for him. He'll, I'm sure he'll come around. Yeah, I think so too. We'll, we'll check in and I'm glad it's only, it's only an hour and a half, three days a week. So I think that's a good start rather than like a half day. Yeah, absolutely. what's going on with you um same old same old waiting on the mold remediation to finally happen next week (laughs) I don't think you've talked about the mold no I haven't and I I think that might be something good to maybe maybe do like talk about a little deeper I Uh, think it's interesting I've thought about it a lot more since you've first been talking about it yeah Um, yeah I, I don't want to scare anybody but very short version. When we moved into this house, I, I had a very physical reaction. And then we moved in August and November and December, I was very sick. I was in and out of the ER four times and just all these doctors couldn't tell me all my labs were normal. I was fine. Very long story short, we found out we have mold in our attic and it was so bad. It was blowing it might have been in the ducts too but it was blowing down and it was on our kitchen walls like just right in the middle so it was um not a good situation yeah and trying to find someone to come out and take care of it has been another nightmare and do it the the right way so it doesn't just go everywhere and um so yeah next tuesday the 29th (laughs) is getting taken care of and i can't wait so just been um I mean, that's constantly on my mind, you know, and I've just been walking through a detox protocol and yeah, we really want to have a second baby. And that's been a huge factor in, in stopping us. Cause I am really mold toxic. <laughs> so we're hopefully coming through that tunnel and I can't wait. I just can't wait. 
but yeah. Cause you had blood work done too, right? I, it was actually a urine test that I did through Great Plains oh. Labs. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was, it was a high number. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it was a little scary. I mean, I knew deep down, I knew it would come back with something, but I just was in denial. I think I just, it was almost a thing where I didn't want to know. Um, but I'm grateful that I do know and I can take care of it. And it's scary. I mean, it's a scary thing. So, so do you think you would retest before trying to get pregnant? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We figured we'll get it taken care of and I'm going to give myself at least a month of really, really following the protocol and then retest and see where we're at. Okay. Do you know how long it's supposed to take? It's different for everyone because there are some people who are severely sensitive and their bodies just, they have this genetic mutation where they can't detox the mold. So some people are sick for years, but on average, I would say like three month minimum, two to three month minimum. Yeah. Cause a month sounds really short, but I don't know what I'm talking yeah. about at all. No, it is. It really okay. is. And I've been, I've been slowly detoxing. I didn't want to go the whole way in. No, it's fine. <laughs> you know, especially with it still being in the house. So, um, and I just want to be able to have energy to keep up with that child that I have. <laughs> yeah. You know, too. So. Although pregnancy might not be the best thing for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Speaking from experience. Speaking, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I need a nap. Can I? <laughs> <laughs> it's mommy's time. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do I lock you in your room? Oh my gosh. I know. I know. Oh, Because well, I think I mentioned he can climb out of his crib now. Oh, he so. can. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's, that's what's causing all the trouble. He yeah. used to t- kind of talk to himself and eventually fall asleep, but now it's it's funny to him to just crawl out and so we're actually kind of in a little thing with his sleep um where he keeps getting out of bed and we're like laying in there with him for half hour 45 minutes just so he's not climbing out of his crib and it's like this has to stop because we don't have that time and he goes to bed at nine o'clock which is already pretty late like we need a little bit of evening time to get ready for work the next day totally totally oh my goodness so anyway all that to say (laughs) yeah I did want to share a little about the retreat I was on I know you and I already caught up yeah but I would um, love to hear about this Yeah, so I was on a retreat this past weekend in LA, which was obviously beautiful and perfect weather. And it's just starting to get cold here in Chicago. So it was it was nice to get away, even though it was early in the in the fall season. But it was with a podcast that actually we met through the Modern Mamas podcast. And I just love those women so much. I think they're doing something incredible. So it was the two of them that lead the podcast and then 18 other women. Most of us in the same kind of space with uh, having one kid or a couple kids that are younger, like under, under five probably were most of the women. And it was just an incredible space. And I realized a lot of things and I'm crazy pumped up about our podcast right now. And it's just amazing to create the space for people because what I noticed in being with that group is they're 
listening to this podcast because they want to improve. And what you're creating in these group of women is people that just want to be doing things better. They want to be a better mom. They want to be a better wife. They want to just have a better outlook on life. And just, it was just incredible to be around. And I'm so excited. And it's a little different than what we're trying to do. Their topics are a lot broader. And it's really not, two of the women there weren't moms. They cover a lot. And we're kind of covering a little bit more of the nutrition side of it. And the newer mom kind of things, but I'm, I'm just incredibly excited for what we're building here. And we haven't, we actually haven't recorded in a while because we had some episodes built up, but now that we're sitting here talking, we actually have people downloading the podcast and following us. And it's just wow. really exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're like, Oh, Wait, you're it, not my it, mom. You know, my mom has not figured out how to download it yet she wants me to help her (laughs) but it it is funny because we're seeing the numbers on the podcast go up and we're we know people are listening but we don't really know who that is I hear from a couple close friends some feedback but I'm like I, I just wonder who's out there so We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, this is, oh, I felt your fire when we were talking yeah. earlier. And it just, yeah, it made me so excited just to create this space. And I, I know you agree. I think it's so needed. It's so needed because whether you work or you stay home or whatever your situation is, you feel alone a lot of the time. And you always are just wondering, am I crazy? Am I doing it right? And even though there's no right way, <laughs> but <laughs> to have that community, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited about it too. Yeah. And another cool thing, like some of the other women on the retreat, they were just, like I said, incredible women. And at first I was a little shy about my podcast because it's so new, but as you're having these one-on-one conversations with people, like it, it became a thing like, okay, I have a podcast that I launched and so it became a topic of conversation with people. And then when I got to talk to other people about what they're doing, um, I'm like, oh, would you ever want to come on our podcast? And we actually have some really exciting things lined up, like topics I'm really, really fired up to talk about. So getting getting to talk to these people who care about the same things, and I, I think it's general health, parenting. I'm going to throw in the environment, um, cause that's something I'm super into. I'm pretty sure you are too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and just making better choices for the planet and for our bodies. And it's not easy out there and we're not being fed the right information. So just to be a part of this community that wants to do better is just incredible. So some of the guests we have lined up are somebody who's going to talk about pelvic floor health because I was talking about being pregnant and peeing myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, a lot of people deal with that, but no, we don't have to. So that will be something that I'm, I am going to, she convinced me to start getting treatments for, so I can give updates on that, but I'm so excited to have her on the show. And then another guest is going to talk about kind of non-toxic household stuff. So how can you make choices that are, better for your homes, better for the environment, like out of 
materials that are more sustainable and safer. And it's just amazing that these things go together. <laughs> that a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times the more conscious choice for the earth are it's also that what's healthier for you because it's less synthetic or less processed in terms of food. So I'm so excited because that isn't something I've spent a ton of time personally researching. And it's just another incredible thing in this space at the retreat that I noticed is a lot of moms were in this space still two or three years postpartum and they were still in this deep postpartum space, I guess. I don't know how to say that, but like where you don't feel like yourself, you're not caring for yourself. Like you're just completely entrenched in this baby. And I think I mentioned this already. I was in that space for about 15 months and it felt like an eternity, but it did coincide with, I stopped breastfeeding at like 13 and a half months. And I think that was part of it, but really just this feeling of, okay, I can do things for myself. I can just in this space where you're a person again, I guess, if that makes sense. Totally Um, to me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I felt yeah, I know you went through very long Sorry. time. No, I yeah. just yeah, it was tough. It's tough. Yeah. So it just seeing these women that they're they took this step to go to this retreat and be there for themselves and be in this space, it was amazing. But it also kind of clicked with me at like how much support people need. Um, so another person's going to come on the podcast, one of the the hosts of the Modern Mamas, Mamas podcast and talk about this postpartum mindset. Like, how can you, like, how do you deal with it when you're in that space? Because it almost seems insurmountable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I was there and yeah, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just, it was amazing for me. And I'm so excited about what we're doing. And I'm so excited to just be talking to more people and growing this and getting more guests and just getting this voice for what, what the space is that you and I are creating. Cause it is, it's not the same as theirs, but it, it I'm just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so just with that being said, we do, we would love to hear from you guys. So we say this at the end of the episode, but email us at nourished and nourishing at gmail.com. You can email any questions or just, Hey, I'd love if you talked more about this. And if you're liking our podcast, we would love it if you reviewed it and rated it. And that kind of helps it get to more people in iTunes. And if you're listening and you'd be willing to tag us on Instagram and share it, like it it would just mean so much to us. But we know we're still new. (laughs) (laughs) But just keep that in mind as we're moving along together. And thank you all for being here. Yeah, we appreciate you so much. So so today we are talking about navigating the first trimester. So this is something I really wanted to talk about. We've we've had on the docket since I was in my first trimester, but thankfully, (laughs) thankfully I'm out of that space. Um, Not that it necessarily gets easier, but, but we want to talk about some of that, like what you go through, what, how to navigate some choices that you have to make and getting through it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Just getting through it. And what you can expect if you're, 
kind of new to pregnancy and that might not have even hit you yet. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So pretty much when you think of the first trimester, I'm sure a lot of people initially think of nausea or food aversions or just feeling really, really sick. Um, that was a big one for me. I never actually was, I never threw up or anything like that, but I had so many food food aversions. I was very nauseous for the whole first trimester. Um, so something that had, that can be helpful. First of all, when you are in this space, it's survival mode, right? You're just doing your best to get up every day, hopefully get moving. So be very gentle with yourself and the things that we are going to talk about might work, might not. It's, it just, you know, this is a space of trial and error. And I know that can be very, very frustrating, especially for me when I was in this holistic health space, I just kept thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not getting this nutrient or that nutrient or whatever, whatever. But, you know, we're, we're doing our best. We're growing a human. It's going to be okay. But that being said, typically, whenever you are in your first trimester, you are just craving carbohydrate, right? That's like the one thing that might, you might be able to get down. That sounds good. Um, something I worked with my clients on was if that's all you can have, maybe like rice, you know, you only just want white rice, slap a bunch of grass fed butter on it, put some salt on it. Just make sure you're getting those nutrients and those fats. Um, salt's important for a lot of different things, but you know, you, you want to stay hydrated and not, not basically wash all the minerals right out of your body. So, um, cooking it in bone broth will help get all those little nutrients in there too. B6, vitamin B6 has been helpful for some people to reduce morning slash all day sickness. Again, this is not a general recommendation. Of course, talk to your practitioners, but that might be something to look into for yourself. I know a friend of mine actually had wild success with magnesium. She was very deficient in magnesium and, um, a a solid recommendation. I think if you don't want to swallow pills, which like who really does when you're sick, (laughs) um, using a topical magnesium. I have a spray that I use. Some people have a lotion. It just kind of depends. And there's different forms of magnesium, but, um, you know, in general, something topical might help you. <laughs> feel yeah. Better. I really liked the spray in my first pregnancy. I use yeah. that really regularly, uh, especially later when you kind of get like the Charlie horse type oh, of things. Cause it's good for your muscles. So I'm sure I'll do that again. It's huge for that. That's huge. Yeah. Um, just along the lines of food. I know that's probably in every pregnancy book, but having something as soon as you can in the morning, I know having something at my bedside really helped me. If it can be protein or fat, like an Epic bar was something that I could generally take a few bites of and be okay. Like it would help me get out of bed at least. Um, even if it's just a little bit of something, it's wildly better than nothing because then you're you're just kind of writing the last episode. I think it was the last episode where we talked about the blood sugar roller coaster. It kind of is the same thing with this. If you're not eating anything or very little, it's just going to make the nausea worse. So if you can, a little bit of something right off the bat. I know for me, I don't know about you, Michelle, but sour foods really seem to help me. This isn't a necessarily a good recommendation, but I would suck the sour <laughs> off of Sour Patch Kids. I didn't want the candy, just the sour. 
And I was okay. like, I don't know. It was a weird thing that <laughs> I thought you were going to go to lemon, but then you went there. <laughs> no, I went sour patch kids. Lemon did nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't sour enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have like three at a time in my mouth. Yeah. It was probably really gross, but <laughs> sour. I've heard that. I never, I never did that. Yeah. But. Yeah. And again, like some of this stuff worked for me for a little while and then I would have to try something else and you know, it's uh it's exhausting, but yeah, just, you might have to switch from eating. If you're a three full meal person and maybe like a snack or two, it might have to be just smaller meals or more, more like what you might consider a snack type of thing throughout the day. Just so you are getting calories. You are giving yourself energy. Baby's pretty much taking what it needs from you, right? (laughs) It's going to get that one way or the other, but you, you know, you want to be doing this for yourself as well. So um, I used C bands. Have you heard of those? Yes, I did that too. Yeah, that helped me for a while. Um, it's- and I actually never used it for morning sickness, but I have, I have motion sickness anyway when I'm not pregnant, and it gets so much worse during pregnancy, and it kind of stays with me my whole pregnancy. And that is something that did really help me wow. with the nausea with motion. I remember my husband bought those for me and the first day I felt like I came out of a haze and I was so happy. <laughs> I was just eating all the things and oh, it was great. Um, so can I just say how, how long did you have the food aversions? Was it the whole first trimester and the nausea? Pretty much. I think it started at five or six weeks. It started pretty much right off the bat, but it was kind of, for me, it was this slow burn where there was one point where I was sitting at my desk at work. I could only eat saltines and fizzy water. I needed seltzer water or mineral water or something that was, I needed the fizz. And I was, I, for some reason in my head, I thought I'm not sick enough. I hope everything's okay. This was, you know, the tipping point of my anxiety. Um, but yeah, it was until about 12 or 13 weeks. It just, stopped. <laughs> Just okay. Was it like that for you? So I don't, I didn't get it a ton with my first pregnancy. I think the thing that was really noticeable for me was that I had an aversion to protein by itself. So I could no longer have a steak with the side of potatoes. If I had meat, it had to be a shepherd's pie where it was all mixed together. Like I just couldn't eat meat by itself, especially kind of like dry, like cut up chicken breast or something. It was probably all bad, (laughs) like salmon, like nothing. Um, So that really wasn't that bad. With this pregnancy, I probably had three weeks where I was pretty nauseous and uh, the same kind of thing with the protein. And that is natural. It's, It's something that with evolution, there's more likely to be bacteria in meat. And there, there are these food aversions that have a purpose, but we cook our food now and we're, we're a lot more sure of the food safety with refrigeration and all that. And so it's something I kind of want to try to get past and eat anyway, like almost get past your body's alarm system. But yeah, so that was something I found. And definitely craving all the carbs. So it's just, it's not the time to think like, oh, I have to eat a meatloaf made with liver and, you know, like trying to, 
obviously that would be ideal, but if you just want the carbs and you can't do where you were at before, it's maybe just trying to make a slightly better choice. Like I'm going to have a gluten-free bagel with some almond cream cheese or something that has some nutrition in it. If you do end up throwing up, um, you want to just make sure you're replenishing your electrolytes when you can. And what I typically recommend is doing it with coconut water or diluted juice, even if you can. So it's not super, super sugary bone broth even. And if you can eat potassium rich foods are super helpful, like a banana, avocado, squashes, and oranges, even getting anything like that down. I know, um, salty water, even just like taking a pinch of mineral, mineral salt, Redmond real salt, something like that, and putting it in your water can help. There are tablets. I don't know if they're nun tablets or noon tablets. And you think it's noon. Yeah. Okay. I've been saying it wrong for years. Very, very not. I mean, I could be wrong. (laughs) The second person that said that. Um, I, I think those can be a good thing too, just to have on hand, just in case if you're feeling a little dehydrated even, or if you do get sick, um, just having something that's, you know, ingredient wise, pretty good and, um, helpful there. Another symptom that's pretty common in the first trimester, it was big time for me is heartburn. Did you experience heartburn at all? You know, I didn't get it until later in my pregnancy. I think I haven't had any yet this pregnancy. Okay. Okay. That, yeah, I guess later on when everything's kind of squeezed up, that's common. Too. Yeah. When it kind of just forces, <laughs> like no I'm sure there's like less room in your stomach, but, <laughs> but certainly if you notice a pattern around certain foods, um, obviously you can work on tweaking that. Um, I don't know if this is a, a an across the board thing, but Apple cider vinegar, like raw apple cider vinegar that was diluted helped me every single time still does. That's the only thing that helps my heartburn. So that might be, it it probably is a stomach acid thing, right? So that, um, yeah, makes sense, but yeah, yeah. it would make you digest the food faster so that it's not sitting in your esophagus. Yeah. But that was, I don't really have a ton of tips for heartburn other than that, because you know, you're you have all this progesterone that's coming up and it's just, everything's just slowing down in your body. But, um, that really, really was helpful for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Constipation can be an issue too. I guess it could go either way. Unfortunately, it's not a fun symptom of the first trimester, Yeah. but, um, things like chia seeds, if you can, again, it's a mineral, a mineral game, making sure you're drinking enough water. That is that's so important just for a day-to-day life without a human growing in you. But when there is a baby on board, you really want to be drinking as much water as you can. Maybe not as much as you can, but at least <laughs> have your body weight plus a little bit more definitely with those, um, like some salt or some electrolytes in some fashion. So on that list with the constipation, I'd like to add a probiotic. So I think it's a good time to balance that healthy gut bacteria And that's going to help with keeping you regular, but also later in the pregnancy, probiotics have been shown to be negatively associated with group B strep. So if you take a probiotic, you're less likely to have that group B strep and need antibiotics during your birth. So it's a good thing to add now, especially if you're having the constipation symptoms. Totally. Totally. I think that magnesium, of course, you're 
whole foods based prenatal yeah. are at least three of the major ones I would suggest. And fiber. Fiber. Yeah. 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 Veggies, veggies can be tough when you're oh my gosh. Having food aversions, but um, even if you can get it from things like like a brown rice cereal rather than white rice or, you know, something that if it doesn't irritate your gut, something with a little bit of fiber can help move things along. Yeah. But it might just be easier to have something that you can chug down rather than trying to eat a Brussels sprout. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Liquids always so. mix it into a smoothie. Sometimes that's a really good yeah. thing to trick your body almost into getting a little bit more nutrients in, even if it's just a few sips. I don't yeah. know. It was, uh, and I know we're we're talking about this anyway, but exercise is something that in general can get things moving. Mm-hmm. Um, like it moves the blood, it can get things moving through the system. So it would help with constipation as well. Yeah, absolutely. Moving in any capacity, if you're able, even if it's, I don't want to say just to walk because walking is my main form of exercise and it's wonderful for you. Um, yeah, just any type of movement. Of course, nothing that's going to jerk you around or hot yoga, but you know, a question I get a lot is exercising during pregnancy. And again, I am not your doctor, but I, you know, do it. <laughs> you should be doing it if you're able. Yeah. Okay. So we'll say consult with your doctor, but some of this stuff is just ridiculous. Like I was on one of those pregnancy apps and it was like talking about bringing the groceries in and using your legs to lift the groceries. I'm like, okay, fine. And then they're like, unless it's over eight pounds, then let somebody else do it. And I'm like, eight pounds. (laughs) I mean, I was still squatting. Like I wasn't setting like personal bests when I was pregnant, but I I just, I had to laugh at that. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. Eight pounds. That's, that's the front of me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I don't know if there's anything else, Michelle, that you wanted to add, but I I will talk about exercise for a bit. And I think it is important if you can to keep it up. And this was something I kept up great during my first pregnancy. And I want to be taking my own advice for this one. (laughs) Um, it's, it's just going to help prepare for the eventual labor. And it's hard to, if you quit early in your pregnancy, it's hard to say like in your third trimester, Oh, I'm going to start working out again because I want to prepare for labor. And there's a lot of things where like walking really helps put your baby in the right position. So preventing the breech position, it's not, you know, it's, it's shown statistically, but it's not, proven like your doctor might not say that but it is something that was important to me and so if you can keep up like anything you could do I would say keep up in your first trimester because it's going to make it easier to stay with throughout the pregnancy so and then for me with this pregnancy I hit those three weeks of morning sickness and that was weeks six to eight And right at that week six, when I was starting to feel sick, my personal trainer stopped seeing clients like he went back to school and it was just a terrible time. So (laughs) I just started back at prenatal yoga uh, the week before last and 
we'll see if I go tonight. <laughs> but other than that, I, I did let myself fall off when I got sick in my first trimester. So it's kind of like getting back in, in these habits in the second trimester. Once you, once you can eat the healthy foods again and exercise again, and it is so much harder with a kid at home. Oh my goodness. So, yeah, but that that's just my advice. And that's something I'm really trying to keep in mind that I know labor is very physical and whatever you can do. I got a trainer and it was really helpful because movements do change as you get pregnant. So if you're doing things like squatting and deadlifting, um, you need to make sure you're safe because your weight shifts and you probably shouldn't be lifting maybe a hundred percent of what you were lifting before, but it is, it is good to make sure a trainer is looking at your form and that you're not hurting yourself. And the same with any kind of core work. Um, if you see this and this, again, we're talking first trimester and this probably won't happen, but if you see this kind of bulge in the middle of your belly, it'll kind of look like a football coming out, like a weird little thing. And I remember thinking that during my first pregnancy and thinking it was funny. Like I came home from working out and told my husband, like, Oh, you got to see this. It's crazy. And then I realized later that don't ever do that when you're pregnant. If that, if it bulges out like that, stop that exercise and make sure you're doing something that doesn't cause your abs to do that. Cause that actually creates this separation of the abdominals of diastasis that you don't want. Yeah. Definitely, definitely not. <laughs> so, yeah, just a few thoughts on exercise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first trimester, it can be rocky. And like we've said multiple times, it's it's kind of just an experiment and toying with things. I do want to make a note really quickly about, I mentioned earlier about swallowing a magnesium pill or a supplement or something like that. Seeking Health has a powdered prenatal that- Yeah, that's what I take. Can change your life. Yeah. So yeah, I love the powder. And I did think I mentioned this in the fertility episode that the Seeking Health prenatal had choline. And something I noticed is that I bought the chewable form to take because I was traveling. I've had a bunch of work trips and that one did not have choline and it doesn't have any iron, but the powder has a little bit of iron and it had the choline. So just something interesting. Like I really do think the powder has more nutrients and it's easier to consume. Um, yeah, it's just, it's hard without a blender. So with travel for sure, it's, I don't know, like I hate just dissolving something in water and trying to choke it down, especially if you're going through nausea. Yeah. That's almost worse than a pill at that point. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good to note. I have a couple of books that I found really helpful and I recommend them to my clients. I don't know if you've read them, Michelle, but Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols is very, very comprehensive. There's a lot of information in there, but I, as a nutrition nerd and just, you know, I want to know what's going on all the time, what would be recommended in a perfect world. I found that really, really helpful. And another one that I liked, it came out right when I was pregnant is the mama natural week by week guide by I love that one. Yeah. That's a great one. It's just digestible day by day, week by week. I love, I love that one. So 
just in case. Yeah, one of my friends bought me Expecting Better. I don't know if you heard of that. No, I haven't read that. Um, It was, it's really just kind of going through some of the, I don't, I don't know how to say like rumors about pregnancy or like, don't eat sushi, don't eat like whatever, make sure your meat is all well done or um, whatever all those things are that they might be wives tales and other countries don't do them or they might be based on science. (laughs) So she actually kind of breaks down all of this, like, okay, if there's a soft cheese and it's pasteurized, like you could get sick, but it's not going to harm the baby. And so that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought it was helpful. Like the sushi thing, I think she determined to be safe and some of the other ones like, yeah, keep, unless I don't know, unless you're really sure of the source, like keep searing your meat. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, That's a big one. And you know, not something I do, but I thought it was helpful just to see that side of it. Like what's the real evidence and what is happening? Like, why do they recommend not doing this? And is it sound? So, yeah. One big one for me was sleep or is sleep that it seemed like right when I got pregnant, I had all these sleep issues. And I think part of it is I do when I'm not pregnant and not nursing, I take a supplement that has melatonin in it, which is not not allowed during pregnancy or not recommended. So not only did my hormones change from getting pregnant, but I wasn't able to take my supplement anymore. And something that happens during pregnancy is your blood sugar response changes. So this is why we have to get tested for gestational diabetes. That's why you're craving all these carbs during the first trimester. Like you actually have more blood sugar dips during pregnancy because your baby actually needs your blood sugar to stay higher all the time than you would when you're not pregnant. Like the we talked about how the insulin triggers the sugars to go into your cells or the energy to go into your cells. It's also the thing that's getting that energy to your baby. So it's just a different state where your body wants this blood sugar to be higher to make sure the baby's getting energy. So not something you want when you're not pregnant, but that changes. So for me, I was you know, never somebody to, or not never, but I didn't really snack before bed, but that was something I had to add during pregnancy. And so I would have something that had carbohydrate and fat. My go-to is actually what you kind of mentioned before was just rice with a bunch of butter and salt so that you're getting this sugar from the rice, but it takes longer to absorb because of the fat. So hopefully you're staying asleep longer and your blood sugar is staying level. But what I found is I would wake up during pregnancy more in the middle of the night and I kept things by my bed. So I would wake up, I would pee, I would have some water and I would eat whatever thing was sitting by my bed. So a lot of times it was like Jackson Honest uh, sweet potato chips or something easy that would give me a carb hit and allow me to fall back asleep. Cause if your blood, blood sugar dips in the middle of the night, it will wake you up. So, so just a little, little bit of a different state that you're in and 
it might be things that you think like are bad because they say don't eat before bed when you're trying to lose weight, but it's different during pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it's just reprogramming your thought process and it's not easy, but. Yeah. So some other things for sleep, uh, melatonin is considered a no, the same thing with CBD. Um, that was something I've had some success with, but they don't recommend it during pregnancy. Valerian root is okay. And some certain amounts, probably not every night, but that's something that can work well. Or I also really like Rishi. Have you had the four sigmatic? I am obsessed with four sigmatic, especially the Rishi. Yeah. So I'll either do like a full pack of the, the hot chocolate one or the chocolate one or half a pack of the elixir. So the elixir has 1500 milligrams of Rishi and the, the hot chocolate one has 500. So a half a pack of the elixir, you're still getting more than the the other one, but that's something that I'm doing every night, either, either one of those two options. So that's something that just, it's not necessarily a sleep comp supplement, but it just calms you down. So, so that's one I really like. Yeah. But I, I will say I'm somebody who's had some sleep issues before getting pregnant and it just got so much worse. And so a lot of people recommend the pillows and things like that too. I think that's definitely worth looking into if you think you're uncomfortable at night. And that can really start at any time. I was able to, I sleep on my back with a pillow under my knees and I was able to do that into month seven, which I know is really long, but I don't know if it's just because I'm tall and something like wasn't compressing that vein. But so that, that was a good thing for me that I could keep my position, but then there's the last couple months that are just uncomfortable no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) There is no good position. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then another thing I just wanted to talk about in general was thyroid support. So pregnancy can be taxing on your thyroid. So what your thyroid does is it just generally maintains the metabolism of your body. So how do you convert food into energy for like feeling awake or, uh, heating your body or just all these metabolic processes that go on. So if you're really cold or tired, it could be something where your thyroid's a little sluggish. So this is something I do recommend testing in pregnancy. If you get to that point where you're getting blood work or anytime, uh, my midwife was able to get those tests for me. I would say get TSH, T3, and T4 just to see where it's at. And a lot of times the lab ranges are not really what you want to look for. I would look online for what is a functional range for these numbers and see, is it, is it a little sluggish or is it, is it functioning well? So, and that's just something that changes during pregnancy. And That's, um, so thyroid can be really impacted by stress. So this is going to be any kind of environmental stressors. If you have food intolerances, it's not maybe a great time to just say, oh, screw it. I'm going to eat everything. I'm pregnant. Um, it can actually really tax these systems that are already taxed. So 
there's obviously the stress we all think of, like emotional stress from your job, from your marriage, like from your two-year-old, <laughs> um, whatever's going on there. But um, yeah, anything like cleaners or we're obviously into the, the safer beauty products. So putting things like that on your skin that are have chemicals in them can be really bad for you during this time. And yeah, so I, I think just trying to eliminate stress as much as you can. So get these kind of products out of your house, but also try to take some downtime. Uh, exercise, like this low, this low activity exercise, like walking is really good to just support the thyroid, keep things moving. And then there's nutrients like selenium and iodine, which really support the thyroid. So iodine is going to be in things like seaweed or kelp. Um, so iodine is one that's really hard to find unless you're using iodized salt. And people have really moved away from that and moved towards sea salt, which doesn't have that added iodine. And then selenium, we talked about this, but the best thing is Brazil nuts because you just need three a day. Um, I still haven't moved mine to the freezer like you recommended, but get I, I kind of just take it in the morning like a supplement. Like yeah. I'm, this is to support my thyroid. Um, so supplement wise, things you might want to consider in general, in addition to just a prenatal. Um, if your prenatal does not have iron, that might be something you need in the first trimester because you're creating so much more blood. So this is during your first trimester, you're building the placenta, but you're also increasing the volume of blood that's running through your body. And then another thing is calcium. If you're, if you're avoiding dairy or you're, you're not able to get all these vegetables that you normally get your calcium from, that might be something to consider supplementing. So, and then a couple other blood tests I'd recommend are the, the doctor will probably do the iron test as a part of the CBC, like the normal blood work. They'll see if your iron's normal. I would also get a B12 and a vitamin D just to see if those are in the normal range. So I just got those with this pregnancy. Both were a little lower than I want to be. They were in the normal, in the lab range, but I just didn't love where they're at. So vitamin D, this is, I like doing fish eggs uh, because it's a natural source and it's very bioavailable. And the thing about getting it from food is it usually has a lot of the other things that are needed to absorb the vitamins already in that food. If you take an isolated vitamin, you might need like calcium in addition to vitamin D for it to be absorbed. When you buy a pill, you're just getting that one thing and your body might not be able to use it that well. So fish eggs, I eat the salmon row and in one tablespoon, it has 10,000 IU of vitamin D. So I actually, in my first pregnancy, my vitamin D was quite high because I was trying to load up on these omega-3s and eat all the salmon row. And it's a very, very nutrient-dense food. And they were shocked because this was 
the middle of winter in Chicago. Like, <laughs> how is your vitamin D this high? And it wasn't crazy high, but it was just pretty easy to stop taking that or take less of it to get the level back down. So that's something now that it's a little low, I, I stocked up on that from vital choice that if you're eating less of that red meat, because you're having food aversions, that's something that can drop really easily. So it's just something to be aware of during that time. So, yeah, I think that covers a lot of the issues I had. Um, There are still, it's a good time to have your superfoods because again, even your prenatal might not have this absorption of everything that you want it to. Like you think you're covering everything and you can eat whatever you want because you have a prenatal. I would kind of say that I wouldn't rely on that because especially depending on the quality of the prenatal, if you're just buying something from Target, there's a good chance you're not able to absorb a lot of what's in there. So just some of the general things to eat, grass-fed meat, pasture-raised poultry, they're, they're going to be higher in vitamin content, healthy fats like coconut oil, grass-fed butter, ghee, olive oil, uh, any kind of or- organ meats you can fit in. First trimester might not be the time, but if it <laughs> is, <laughs> um, it's good to get some of that in. Eggs are amazing. So like we said, with the choline, they're recommending over 900 milligrams a day. So I said my prenatal has 250 in a serving and most prenatals have zero. Wild caught fatty fish like salmon are are really great in terms of the omega-3s. You need a lot of DHA when you're pregnant, which is an omega-3 fatty acid. Dark leafy greens are amazing. That's going to give you that folate that they're always talking about during pregnancy. So kale, collards, chard are all high in folate. Bone broth, like we talked about with the electrolytes, it's just amazing. There's so much that just comes out of the bones during the bone broth. So that's something where I use chicken feet because you get that collagen for the protein, but you also get um, just a lot of minerals from the bones. And I cook it for probably 36 hours is what I do a day and a half and put some vegetables in, in the last eight hours or so. Um, starchy vegetables are great. If you can do a sweet potato instead of the gluten-free bread, that's amazing because the vitamin content is so much higher. So if that's something that's appetizing, I would definitely lean into that or, something like winter squash, like a butternut squash that's cut up and you can put some spices and some butter on that. Um, fermented foods. So I would say in addition to the probiotic, if you can eat some of these fermented foods like sauerkraut, yogurt, um, kombucha, things like that are great. And fruit is a good thing during pregnancy just to get some of the vitamins and there is a higher carbohydrate need. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I think those are all great things that you can keep in mind if you're able to get these things down. Like, let's try to get as much nutrition in our bodies as we can for for our babies. 
Well, that's all of our little tips and tricks and information that helped us and hopefully can help you too. If you have any specific questions or concerns, like we said earlier, just feel free to shoot us an email or message us on Instagram. We're always happy to help if we can. Yeah. And we're going to keep doing these episodes, kind of follow along with my pregnancy, um, what's going on. Cause I think it's helpful to hear you're not alone. If you, if you just want to sit on the couch and eat some ice cream from some pasture raised cows and have your gluten-free bagel. Yep. <laughs> Now's the time for grace. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So All right. thanks well, for I'm listening and We can't wait to talk to you all next week. Yeah, have a good week. Bye. Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you liked what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.